Welcome to the Daikaiju Network Podcast, episode 128. I'm your co-host, Kent, and with me is your other co-host... Jason, how's it going, peeps? So here we are. We finally uh, are live again. Thanks to Jason, we found something that uh, looks like it's working. We did some test work yesterday. We spent, I don't know, two, three hours messing with this stuff yesterday and fixed a few bugs where necessary. Um, We do have, I want to say, quite a bit of lag um, on the YouTube side. There is some lag on the Twitch side as well as some others, but the YouTube lag is the worst. So forgive us if... um, we are very late in answering some of your questions that you may uh, uh, type in the real live chat or live stream chat on YouTube. Um, just know that there's a 45 second to minute lag roughly. So please uh, be patient with us as we. Uh... Well, the uh, pretty much YouTube and Periscope are the ones that leg the most and twitch and d live uh as we're on on those four live stream platforms they're the ones that have probably the shortest leg uh twitch is probably at least oh a few second leg and i would say the same thing with uh d live but as of right now ken and i are just uh looking over the chats here for both youtube and twitch here if anybody is uh, eventually on twitch and i think uh over there on youtube is uh, godzilla productions tv over there where kent is monitoring those uh that chat over there but uh yeah so uh apparently we got uh a little bit of a new format that you uh, apparently see here. Uh, now we've got our own uh, split screen uh, cam here. Uh, so you can see both Ken and I live here. And sometimes you'll see one of us with our own cams and uh, everything of this such. So, uh, so yeah, we got uh, a little bit of a new setup here uh, this time. But um, Kent, I know you were... Uh, you told me about a couple of weeks ago about the uh, Shin Ultraman that you wanted to discuss a little bit, and you didn't want to touch upon that until this time around. So I don't know if there's anything you had in mind uh, that well, you want to touch I, I upon. Think by now, anybody who's an Ultraman fan is. I think aware anyways uh, of the fact now, because this is news that's two, three weeks old now, uh, that Shin Ultraman is going to be happening. Uh, And of course, it's by the same two guys, Shinji Higuchi and uh, Hideki Anno, Hideaki Anno, uh, that did Shin Godzilla. And um, the thing I just really wanted to say was, these guys need to go away, okay? They've already ruined Godzilla. Leave Ultraman alone. I mean, nothing sacred to these guys. I'm not interested in the Shin Ultraman. I saw what they did to Godzilla. I did not like it. Uh, I simply want them to go away is basically what I'm saying. But at the same time, anybody who is interested, anybody who did like or love Shin Godzilla, just to let you know in case you already didn't know, there is going to be a Shin Ultraman going to be produced by these guys. Um, 
I forget what year it's supposed to come out. I, I, I want to say it's either late next year or early 2021. I, I think, think um, I forgot the, the release year, but um, I think it was supposed to be around uh, 2021 that no. I think from what I've seen on that uh, supposed official release on that one website over there. Uh, I forget the name of the website, but they, yeah, they said, I think around 2021 and yeah. And when it comes to these, uh, this duo here planning on doing a Shen Ultraman, I've seen some uh, posts from other fans of the genre, and they said uh, that they've already made one, which is that um, uh, Evangelion uh, anime that they did uh, many years ago. So you can say that that's the closest um, Ultraman-esque that they've uh, come towards for that. Yeah, I mean, technically, Shin in Japan, Japanese either means new or it means um, there, yeah, there's it like means, two or three other means new, yeah. There's like two or three other uh, synonyms that go with the word shin in Japanese, but one of them is the word new. Technically, the recent Ultraman on Netflix that that anime or, you could call that shin Ultraman as well. Technically, or I think I think uh, shin, if I can remember, I think it also means God as well. I'm not uh, – don't quote yeah, me on that, that but I think be. I've heard yeah. something like that. I want to say, too, one of the other words could be better, but I'm not sure about that. But I know – Yeah, I'm not sure. I know the word new is, associ- is associated with the word shin. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you keep seeing me look over here, one of my cats is on the porch, so I'm trying to keep a lookout for her in case she wants in. So that's the reason why I'm doing that. <laughs> but, um one more piece of news before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. Uh, again, if you've either forgotten or you're not aware, uh, next – well, not this Tuesday, but the following Tuesday, August 27th, is the home video release of Godzilla King of the Monsters. So uh, if you're looking to pre-order your DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, uh, you can – now's the time to do it or at least uh, – you know, circle your calendar so you can get out to your nearest uh, retailer that sells movies and pick up your copy of Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah, definitely. Kind of a turnaround, cons- considering it took a little bit longer with um, uh, the the first Godzilla movie, and that came out actually sooner or earlier in May in 2014 than King of the Monsters did this year. So it's kind of interesting mm-hmm. how there was a quick turnaround with that. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely looking forward uh, to getting that. Uh, hopefully, before I get out or am out of town in the next couple of weeks on that same week. But uh, yeah, so definitely looking forward to getting that film as well. Uh, so um, if there's uh, anything else that you want to discuss about, we can probably uh, get a move on to the. I'm ready video. to move on. In case you haven't seen yeah, my shirt, I, I the, noticed there. <laughs> the movie we are discussing this week is the 21st entry in the Godzilla saga called Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla. And a quick 
other bit of like, I guess, housekeeping. We are nearing the end of our re-reviews here. Um, anybody who's not familiar, we are re-reviewing every Godzilla movie from Gojira up to Godzilla 2000. And the reason why we're doing that is because we went back and listened to a decent chunk of those earlier podcasts and we didn't think the quality of those episodes was all that great not just in audio quality but in terms of of content quality as well so that's why we're revisiting this block of movies and then after godzilla 2000 we're going to be entering uh, some territory that that is we're going to be talking about some movies and the like that we have yet known, to actually yeah. cover uh, on the podcast so um, that's what's coming up. And before, uh, we wrap up this episode, it's your turn to pick a commentary, uh, for us to do for t- a couple weeks from now. So you need to be thinking about what you want to do. Oh, so, I, I actually have something in mind, which and I by think the you'll way, probably too, enjoy. Typically we would have our next episode two weeks from now, uh, but you and I are both going to be out of town that weekend. So we've moved the next podcast, which will be the commentary uh, on the 7th. That is mm-hmm. September 7th uh, yeah. will be the next uh, podcast date. So three weeks from now, instead of two weeks is when we'll mm-hmm. have our next podcast. So by the way, what, what are you picking? <laughs> do you want me to say it now or yes, else? Let's, at do the it. End? Let's, do it. let's do it now. Um, well, since you did uh, Godzilla two, uh, 2014, I thought about why don't we keep going in order and let's do Con Skull Island. Oh, Skull, I, I thought you were going to end up trying to uh, do something terrible. Oh, no. I've actually been wanting to get around to watching Skull Island for some time, and I just haven't had the chance to do it, so I think this would be the perfect time to do it. I've been thinking about Skull Island off and on for about the last um, month or two, and I just... Uh, I've been meaning to get back to it. I've seen that movie... I think twice since it's been out on on uh, home video, and I just yeah, I I actually haven't seen the film since it was in theaters a couple of years ago. So it's it's been quite some time since I've last seen it. Yeah, so there you go, folks. Mark your calendar, September seventh, live commentary of uh, Kong Skull Island. <laughs> so. There we go. Let's move on to Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, 21st entry in the Godzilla saga, 40th anniversary uh, for Toho at this point. Um, uh, I guess a few words just from me as far as just sort of my history of this. Uh, this movie has been available officially here in the United States for over uh, 20 and a half years at this point. Uh, I remember when you and I picked up this VHS and along with the VHS for Godzilla vs. Destroya as well. They both came out at about the same time, which was uh, kind of the latter half of January of 1999. So it's hard to believe that this has been around now at, uh, officially in the U.S. Right. for over 20 years. Um, so I've seen this movie um, quite a few times. I can't tell you roughly an exact number. If I had to take a wild guess, I would say – Uh, I've probably seen this film anywhere between 12 to 15 times, maybe uh, over the last 20 years, perhaps that's just a rough guess. Um, Mm -hmm. 
but um, um, this was a movie that by and large for many years I always considered to be if I looked at it in terms of the Heisei saga I always thought it was towards the bottom uh, I didn't think it was the worst I've always thought Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah was the worst even though the kaiju scenes and the special effects scenes in that movie by and large are great uh, I, I've always thought the movie as a whole, especially with its story and some of its story issues um, and some of the characters and some of the acting, I always thought that was the worst of the Heisei era. This I always thought was second to last in the Heisei. But if I'm looking at the entire Godzilla franchise as a whole, and if I were to rank them, this would be somewhere in the middle uh, where I couldn't tell you. Uh, I haven't made a recent list, but I probably would be somewhere there in the middle. Um, so that's how I've always viewed this movie. I always thought that it was an OK film. It had some problems, but there were other things about it that I thought were good. And it's unfortunate, and I still think this way uh i've i've always thought uh, the f the fan base at least here in the states as a whole um has been a little harsh on this movie and uh, when i was talking to jason uh yesterday when we were testing this new software out for our live stream uh, i was telling him uh something a little bit different about this film and i truly believe now i think the fan base as at large uh, is being overly harsh on this movie. In fact, uh, I'm going to say this right now. It, you know, anybody who's been aware of the Godzilla fan community over the last five, six years knows that Godzilla's Revenge has had a huge um, upshot in respectability. I really think mm -hmm. Godzilla versus Space Godzilla is the next film in the Godzilla franchise that deserves. Um, kind of the Godzilla's Revenge treatment where it needs to be uh, really reconsidered again, I think, by the fan base because uh, I'm not... I'm not going to quite use the M word here, which is Masterpiece, but this is a movie that I think... Um, this is a movie that has a lot of cohesion in it. This is a movie in which I think um, a lot of things are done well overall. Just to try not to dig into the nitty-gritty things already. But as a whole, I think this film is actually done very well. And it's done a lot better than many fans have, have claimed. And I think this right. deserves Godzilla's revenge treatment where it moves up and people start to say, wow, like this is – this is a, a very good film. Well, um, with you mentioning about uh, Godzilla for Space Godzilla being possibly one of the most underwhelmed films in the Hayes. Underrated, underrated, underappreciated. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's sort of what I'm getting the hint at from what you mentioned there. And um, if, if I can remember, I'm not... I think we acquired this movie, I think somewhere around, was that early to mid 2000s or something? No. Japanese mafia was, indeed, Godzilla Productions. Yeah, I, I think it yeah, was. Exactly. You don't mess late, with those guys, you start missing fingers. Uh, with the late, I think uh, we got this movie around the late 90s, or I believe. And uh, I can remember uh, when we were kids, uh, living in a small town in Iowa, of Angora, that had uh, Godzilla on the front cover of it, and 
mainly yep. talked about this movie and I'm not, I'm not sure if I still have that uh, magazine. Um, if it is, it's probably at our uh, parents' house uh, right now, but yeah, I can still remember um, the uh, Fangoria talking about uh, Godzilla for space Godzilla and everything of the sort. And it just seemed like uh, a pretty good movie when you read it. Um, but then when you watch, uh, watch it as I would say with all of us uh, over the years, um, and after watching this film for the second time this year, uh, this morning, um, it's, it's a, for me, it's a pretty decent film. I wouldn't say good, uh, or bad. Uh, there is, uh, quite a bit of flaws, uh, with it. We'll dive in more into it, um, as we dive deep deeper into this film. Um, but uh, there are some good moments uh, with the film itself. But uh, yeah, there there are some, uh, I wouldn't say some, there are quite a bit of flaws within this film as far as some of the dialogues. It uh, depends on uh, which version of the film that you're watching it, either uh, the English subtitle or the dub version of the such uh, depends on the writing for each version of the film uh, of the dialogue. Uh, well, and also the character portrayals uh, in this film as well. And uh, there are, uh, I would say quite a bit, uh, quite a bit of ups and quite a bit of downs uh, with this film that I've, as I've seen this uh, over the years, and as such, but uh, yeah, I would say for me, uh, it's uh, one of those films in the Heisei series. I would say be more in the middle for me. Um, it's this is one of the more interesting films because coming out of this film, you have a villain in Space Godzilla, which is arguably one of the most recognizable and popular Godzilla foes um, in the North American fandom, at least. But at the same time, uh, those same folks are like, yeah, but the movie, eh." (laughs) you know. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting. Um, Right. It's kind of interesting how how all that works. But um, are we ready for a quick plot overview? I would say so. All right. So Space Godzilla sends out two crystalline or excuse me, two crystalline hubs to Earth as a means of absorbing power. And these two crystalline crystalline hubs but i want to say crystalline it's crystalline crystalline hubs awaken godzilla g-force is now at work on a new mech called mogira uh and then project telepathy a sub project of g-force is in full effect with mickey in charge of the program its focus is to control godzilla using telepathy and two g-force members koji and kiyoshi are sent to bass island to get things ready for mickey's arrival 
they meet up with Yuki, who has been on the island for months developing a blood coagulant that'll kill Godzilla. And he's obsessed with killing Godzilla since Godzilla killed his friend Colonel Gondo during the events of Godzilla vs. Biolane. Godzilla arrives and the coagulant fails, as does Project Telepathy. Space Godzilla arrives shortly after having defeated Morgura in the asteroid belt and knocks down Godzilla while imprisoning little Godzilla in one of the crystalline hubs. Mickey is kidnapped by Dr. Okubo, who earlier made himself out to be a proponent of Project Telepathy, but instead he's hooked up with the Japanese Mafia, or otherwise known as the Yakuza. Koji, Kiyoshi, and Yuki set out to rescue Mickey from the Mafia. Okubo is killed when Space Godzilla flies overhead and destroys everything in its path. Space Godzilla lands in Fukuoka and makes Fukuoka Tower its power source. Morgura, flown now by Yuki, Koji, and Kiyoshi, land in Fukuoka and commence battling Space Godzilla. Godzilla shows up shortly afterwards. After a long struggle, Godzilla destroys Space Godzilla's shoulder crystals. Technically, no, that's Morgura. That's a typo on my my part, uh, which reserve the kaiju's power and burns the, the space doppelganger. Godzilla returns to Bass Island, where little Godzilla is shown to be freed through Mickey's telepathic vision and credits roll. Um, if there's one really awful bad thing um, that um, I'm going to say about this film. Uh, let's see. The NASA satellite CGI is supposed to be the motion symbol. Yeah, the NASA uh, spaceship CGI um, it is it leaves a lot to be desired. But at the same time, I still have seen worse CGI on sci-fi productions. Yeah, some parts of the CGI in this film, I would say, hasn't aged pretty well because as I was watching the film here on my uh, 4K TV, I noticed that uh, when in some of the areas where they used blue screen to have Godzilla overlay on some existing uh, footage here and there, I can definitely tell that there are some different uh, frame rates between uh, the blue screen overlay with Godzilla and uh, the film footage that they had uh used for the film itself. So yeah, there you can tell some differences uh here and there on things that uh you may have noticed or things that as far as the CGI or other things in there that um hasn't aged quite well over time. Yeah, and the thing we have to remember when it comes to computer-generated images from Toho uh, during this period and really even going on into much, if not even the entire millennium era, you have to understand that Japan is a number of years behind Hollywood. Japanese um, studios have significantly less uh, production time than Hollywood films get, and they don't invest as much money most of the time in their films as well. So obviously you're going to have these issues, and a lot of that is just the culture uh, Mm -hmm. of the Japanese movie studios. I don't know if that's changed a whole lot. I mean, they've definitely gotten better with CG uh, effects over there in Japan. 
I don't know, though, if much has changed in terms of kind of the funding as budgets for films and whether or not production time has changed much at all either. I don't know much about that, but I know really from pretty much from Gojira on through the Millennium Era, definitely at least uh, from Toho you know budgets could have been bigger but they weren't and production time was usually pretty short so we have to keep all that uh in mind uh godzilla productions tv says i was watching godzilla vs. space godzilla and paused it right when space godzilla roared it looked like cgi in that one short scene just saying the suits were pretty good in some parts uh you're saying are are you Oh, are you ta- are you talking about the inside of the the shuttle that the astronauts were in? Because if if that's what you're talking about, yeah, that's definitely CG. Yeah, I think the only thing that might be a practical effect might be those crystals that are coming through. I think that might be the only practical effect in that scene. Um, so, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. Ooh. The real abomination, though, if there's one thing I'm going to really complain about this movie that I think really deserves a big thumbs down uh, is Megumi Odaka's haircut. Uh, that is something yeah. I cannot. This is very, uh, nick, you know, ticky tack. I'm kind of doing it to be humorous. But at the same time, I'm also kind of being serious. That's an ugly ass haircut on her. <laughs> uh, that's something that for over 20 years um i have not been able to get over i'm just like that is the one of the ugliest haircut no no on the island uh godzilla tv uh, productions tv is talking about cg on the island um let's see and pause it right when Space Godzilla roared. I guess I'm not entirely sure. The only thing I could think of that was maybe CG on the island there were like his uh, was his crystalline. There I said it again. His crystalline, uh, uh, um, for lack of a better term, armor that he retracted just as he landed. Um, mm. That's about the only thing that's CG. Otherwise, I didn't notice anything else. I was CG. I'm not saying you're wrong, but. Uh, well, and then you have the I, was it the green lightning coming from the power source, like those three power source spots there on Birth Island. It but, was a suit. It just looked like, oh, I guess I'll have to watch that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I would say one of the other negatives of the film itself, besides uh, Odaka's haircut there that you mentioned, um, one of the things I've been noticing over time with this film is the really awkward um talking it like uh talking and then no one doesn't really say anything just make the whole atmosphere a bit awkward or some scenes that really don't make sense i don't know why they didn't uh just take them out in those instances and it just like just talking and then no one uh, reacting to the talk, uh, to the response or anything. Uh, it just makes makes the movie a bit awkward at times. What? I'm just trying to think like exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like um, I would I would say uh, when. 
for instance, the one uh, head guy uh, with, I, I forget his name right now. He's part of the G-Force, and he was going to grab the, um, was it the, uh, oh, the, uh, was it the bullet who attached to Godzilla's neck for Project Yuki? Key? Um, no, no, not not that guy. Um, oh, Okubo? Yeah, Kubo, and uh, he he mentions about oh let's let's get him or something like that to the guys that are in the tent they're doing the project T and it's like what are you what are you talking about you're the one that's going to go out there and get him or anything or when he uh, talks about um, the power source of space Godzilla towards the end of the fight there. It just seemed like he was just talking to himself and the two other guys there uh, and uh, more gear with him that they just sort of look at him as like, okay, <laughs> that, that sort of thing. And just sort of makes like for an awkward moment at times. Well, each their own um i mean you 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 gotta see it for yourself there are there are at least a few moments within this film that just makes things a bit awkward a few times well the only thing that's awkward and i would agree with godzilla productions tv on this is yuki's butt but i've come because this movie's been around now for 20 years um i i look at it as kind of comedy now it's unnecessary comedy because it technically didn't need to be in the movie but uh, yeah I mean that's the only thing that I think is you know I think this movie and I'm just going to come right out and say it I I hate to kind of show my hand hold on a sec uh, this early in the podcast but I think a vast majority of this story uh, is not only just well written but put together really well too to where there's not a whole lot of issues uh with plot holes and and other um items because interestingly enough i i uh, was reading some um old reviews from some respected uh, websites out there um and one of the sites had said that the the story was confusing. I'm going, how is this story confusing? It's not. Uh, so I, I just think I don't I, I've never been confused with this movie, even back in 1999 when I first saw it. Um, I never was confused by the story. There are more confusing Godzilla movies out there. So I don't know what that individual was talking about. Um one of the things, though, uh, that I want to say, though, is Akira, Akira Emoto, who plays Yuki, I think he's a great actor here. Uh, he definitely sells me on his character's obsession with killing Godzilla as well as being this lone wolf soldier who is kind of at the same time self-centered. He has some moments of, uh, you know, some unintentional uh, comedy uh, in the movie. One of my favorite scenes is when he, Koji, and Kiyoshi are getting ready to fly Mogura into the final battle, and Gondo's sister, whose name escapes me at this moment, but she's one of the top officials at G-Force, she basically is telling him, you know, come back, you know, alive. And she's trying to have a moment with him, and he just kind of looks at her like pulls out his lighter 
tosses at her, fill this up. It's out of gas. <laughs> like, are just, you are you talking about uh, Susumu Okubo? I think. I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. The actor's name is Akira Emoto. He plays Yuki. Oh, okay. He plays the man obsessed with killing Godzilla throughout most of the movie. So, yeah, that's what I wanted to say about about that. I didn't know if you wanted to add anything. No, no, there's there's really not much uh, for me to add because I've uh, already somewhat made my piece. Godzilla Productions TV imagine when they were filming the butt party was fully naked I do feel it was a bit confusing but good point Um, well yeah I mean when it comes to the butt part of the film a lot of actors and actresses um, do nude scenes I mean you know you can name off a number of actors and actresses who have actually been nude on screen it's just something that they're asked to do and so they do it uh you do feel it was a bit confusing uh but good point um i i really can't add anything to that yeah you know it is what it is but uh let's talk about the asteroid belt battle sequence between mogura space godzilla here for a moment here is what i think is perhaps in the biggest plot hole of the entire movie. Morgura gets defeated in the asteroid belt. What happens to those three original pilots of Morgura? That's, that's we never one see thing, or hear anything of them again. That's one thing that I notice about too, and I would like to know how Morgura got back because I think it lost a leg. Right in that there and you can see it uh tumbling around there as it was flying away from the camera on that final bat scene of that battle there <laughs> so it's like i don't know how they managed to get back to earth with just uh two jet propellers there from the tail and then the uh the right leg of morgira because you yeah. think it would be pretty hard to steer it trying to get back to earth uh mainly through the asteroid belt although they could have possibly gone above the whole uh line of the the asteroid belt to get to get out of there easily or and or quicker but yeah that's that's one thing that i noticed um about too is how how do they manage to uh one get Morgira safely back to Earth, and then two, what what the hell happened to those uh, three guys? I'm probably guessing that they got fired for some sort af- after that battle. There, I don't know. And and like I said, off the top of my head, and I just saw the movie yesterday. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any other part of the movie that has sort of this big whoopsie moment. Um, and don't talk about anything important. You got to go help your friend. <laughs> we'll try not to. Uh, we're going to solve this dilemma in the asteroid belt here. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know if something was filmed and it was cut. Um, but in the final film that we got, um, there's nothing that, that explains or shows, um, excuse me, what 
happened and it could have been done very quickly like for example, they could have filmed a shot where they're back at G-Force and they're walking by a room where it's the three pilots and they're like scared and like dazed and they're being examined by a doctor. And then they quickly say something like, yeah, they were lucky to make it out with their lives. They're going to get paid leave for a while or, you know, something like that. They could have done something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and then made a quick statement about how they got more girl back as well. And that's, you know, something like that could have fixed the problem, uh, but they didn't. And like I said, I don't know if something was filmed and it got dropped. By the way, a big scene that Ken Satsuma uh, has always been upset about with this particular film uh, that was filmed but got cut was uh, – Godzilla trying to help little Godzilla out of the crystalline, one of the crystalline hubs uh, that was cut from the final film. And Ken Satsuma always yeah. believed that such a, a moment within the film really displayed a, a deeper personality for Godzilla. So I just thought while we were on the subject of cut film, we'd do that. But getting back to the asteroid belt. Oh, yeah. I thought that was one of the big issues there. Well, you were talking about the, uh, cut films or some of the scenes that cut from the final version of the film here. Um, I've, I was on uh, Toho kingdom, just uh, rummaging around and uh, I didn't see anything about uh, parts of that. Like with the three guys that you were somewhat talking about, like if, if there was, I didn't see anything of the, of that, but yeah, I did see, uh, read about uh, Godzilla trying to find a way to get little Godzilla out of that crystalline uh, prison there that you were mentioning about that they've uh, written on this film over at uh, Toho Kingdom. And then I think there were a couple more scenes where one of them was with uh, part of uh, Morgara. I think it was the uh, Falcon um I, Falcon I think it's the upper part of Morgara that flies uh where they had that part of Morgara flying out in space with uh, the earth in the background there that's that's the only part of Morgara that was cut from the final version of the film yeah um with the asteroid belt scene, um, what I've I've read in numerous places, and I've even heard many fans uh, talk about it. They're saying it's one of the worst uh, staged uh, sets in the Godzilla saga. And on a small level, I do. I will agree that it's not the best. Um, And again, I think part of it was budget for the film and also production time. Um, It would have to be the budget because I think from what I saw on the budget, it was around um, a billion yen, which translates into 10 million U.S. dollars. Yeah, and you can see in that scene and definitely even in the final battle, if you look close enough, there's like black sheets in the back in the background. Um, 
But um, at the same time, too, this goes back to what I was talking about earlier with uh, with Toho and Japan in general, where during this time, uh, you know, short production schedules and typically the budgets were not all that great either. Um, so you got to do the best you can with what you have and what time you have. Um, and, and Koichi Kawakita, I, I think, is one of those guys where he can – Koichi Kawakita, I always thought, uh, was a special effects director that, and I do believe part of some of the issues he's had with the Heisei series um, was partially due to, yeah, again, budget, but also production time. But even then, it's just like, okay, this guy at times could be a real genius, but then other times, though, too, uh, there were definitely uh, some shortcomings, unfortunately, with some of his work. And the asteroid scene, I think, is roughly 50-50. It's not the best staged um, set, but at the same time, though, too, and I watched the Blu-ray version of this film, uh, it wasn't that bad. I really thought it looked better. I I still remember, though, the first couple of times we watched this movie back in 99, you and I kind of chuckled at how bad we thought it looked then. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's just because I've been watching the movie so often over 20 years now that I've become accustomed to it, or maybe it had partially something to do with the Blu-ray transfer as well. But I didn't think it looked that bad. And I kind of think it was a decent-looking it was a decent looking uh, set that more or less served its purpose. And I thought it was an interesting scene for a battle uh, and mm-hmm. a, a battle in an asteroid belt. So um, I really yeah, which- dig it. It's a quick battle. And again, to kind of go along with that, this movie gives you a fair amount of Kaiju battles. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, when I was going through watching this film the second time here, um, for some reason I was thinking that with the um, uh, the total time limit for this film, which I think is uh, one of the longest uh, Godzilla films in the Japanese uh, franchise. Um, for me, I thought uh, for some reason I uh, was thinking that some of the parts were just somewhat uh, going at a slow pace for some reason. But then at, uh, after watching the film for the second time, it's like, no, that I don't think that was really the case that I thought about uh, from uh, from the beginning. So, yeah, that the whole slowness thing that I was, that I thought about at first isn't really there. There might be a couple areas here and there, but they don't last too terribly long. But, um, so yeah, the action parts, uh, I'd say is pretty consistent, uh, for much of the film, uh, with how long it is. Um, and I think, yeah, that's that's pretty much where I'm going to be uh, getting at right there. So, and then yeah, since we've been kind yeah. of talking about special effects kind of frequently here, let's just go ahead and discuss the effects as a whole throughout this movie. Um, are the effects 
great or perfect in this film? No. Are they good, though? I would say yes. I would say they are consistent, and I would also argue that they are very much uh, on par with uh, what we've had throughout much of the Heisei series up to this point, minus maybe Bailane and, and Return of Godzilla. Those movies are exceptions. Part of that is due to the different crews that they had. But on top of that, though, too, I think Toho made larger investments, definitely in the 84 film they did. But I think they even made a larger investment even in Bailane at the time as well. And then starting with King Ghidorah going all the way to the end, basically, uh, they, they – started cutting budgets uh, again and, and what have you. But I think the effects by and large are pretty good. And most of them hold up decently well, if not still rather well. Um, mm-hmm. My my big issue uh, again, it has, and this is something I brought up um, with um previous uh godzilla films as well and again mainly with the heisei is that for whatever strange reason except maybe in really few close-up scenes of godzilla they don't they, they hardly ever make his eyes blink and just that small little um movement I think can help sell a little bit more believability because as it is, because sometimes when they move around, the head isn't in the proper spot where it should be. Like it's maybe holding itself up higher than it should. If they just could do something where they just made it blink every once in a while, I just think that alone could have sold believability better. Uh, But other than that, I think by and large, the effects are rather good and, hold up well enough yeah um as i mentioned earlier uh before when we dived into reviewing this film that uh there are like when they use the blue screen for i would say for godzilla and overlaying some of that on to some of the actual footage or with uh, things with little Godzilla using the blue screen there uh, and the such that you can tell the difference with some of the frame rates with some of these overlays and the actual footage. And yeah, you can definitely tell. And especially when Yuki was uh, crawling on the ground there and then you see Godzilla uh, also walking along there in the background uh you can definitely tell on uh i would say on the blu-ray and possibly watching it on an hd tv or 4k tv like i did you can definitely tell uh a lot of the frame rates and i would say the quality of the film that they used with yuki there it seemed um a bit strange and uh, there's some things that they should have at least taken care of as far as the frame rates being a little bit consistent. Uh, and then also in other instances, I've seen some of the strains uh, here and there when uh, with the yeah with the crystalline uh, power sources, those spots there when they close. Uh, when when those cr- crystalline prisons 
close over uh, Little Godzilla. You can definitely see some of the strains there. Uh, and then as well as on Space Godzilla uh, there in one of the shots while he was fighting Godzilla there, flying flying around and everything. So um, they should have at least have taken care they should have at least taken care of some of that stuff but they probably couldn't see as much but um as far as some of the frame rates with uh overlays and actual footage i would have thought that they uh should have been more consistent with that but it didn't quite seem uh that way uh and the times that they've done it, most of the time I've seen that was around with uh, the Birth Island uh, whole sequence uh, there. So, yeah. Um, other than that, we've mentioned about some visual effects there uh, that haven't aged well, mainly the computer graphics, I would presume. So, uh Yeah. You brought up Yuki crawling, and I'm glad you brought that up because for the first time in 20 years, I just realized that scene has a weird cut scene because, you know, after he shot Godzilla with the blood coagulate and it failed and then he's, you know, crawling on the ground and then he's crawling behind Koji and Kiyoshi there as they're watching Godzilla walk you know, towards where space guys will eventually land on the island. They show him crawling and then it's a cutscene that takes us to the asteroid belt fight. And then this particular scene with him crawling on the ground, going after Godzilla is never sort of resolved a little bit more properly. I just thought it was a weird cutscene mm-hmm. there. And that's, this is the first time I happen to notice. That. I'm like, wait a minute. That's a weird jump. That's a weird way, not only to end that scene, but the scene itself or those actions or what have you are never properly resolved. Um, Mm-hmm. So I guess there's another issue there, but I wouldn't say that's much of an issue with the story. It's more of an issue with editing uh, right. than it is with, with anything else. We, we talked about action a little bit. Let's just go ahead and talk about um, sort of the pacing and the action in this film. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I find it funny that most of the fan base uh, is pretty hard on this film, given the fact that the same fan base tends to criticize films like Godzilla 2014 for not having enough kaiju or monster action, because that's what most people want out of these types of films. And that's been the same criticisms they've used on the anime trilogy as well. Um, the funny thing is that this film, I would argue, probably more so than any film out of the Heisei era, probably has more kaiju on screen than any other of the Heisei films, and maybe even most of the films in general. And on top of that, you get pretty decent kaiju battles. I mean, you get uh, the asteroid belt fight. You get the Bass Island fight, um, and then you get the ending fight, which is arguably one of the longest end fights in the entire saga. Um, And then two, I think when it comes to pacing, I think despite the fact the movie is almost two hours in length – 
I think the pacing goes well. And part of that for me is the fact that I'm invested in the story and the characters. Uh, so I guess this is going to be about action, pacing, and story because you can't talk about some of these without talking about other areas. Um, I have to say that this story is very unique to the Godzilla saga. And I paid attention to it more this time than I have over the years that the themes of love and accepting yourself or someone else, despite their flaws uh, are the central themes of this film, uh, because that's what it's about. You get sort of a love relationship between, uh, you know, Gondo and Yuki. Uh, we get a little bit of a, a relationship starting between Mickey and Koji. And then you get towards the end of the movie, Yuki, coming to terms with Godzilla despite the fact that, you know, Godzilla killed his friend and he's starting to come around and feel a little bit differently um, about Godzilla. And that even despite Yuki's flaws, Gondo, uh, she's seen something in him. Um, this is something that I think is very unique to the Godzilla franchise. And and I don't believe it's ever been done again. And I think that's very unique. And, and it's something that on one level, it's very obvious that it's happening on screen. But at the same time, it's subtle enough that you kind of miss it too um and i really like that about this film and one of the reasons why i like is not only because i'm a sap uh that's part of it but we live in a time too where it just seems you know with the internet and just with our current climate and everything it just seems like there's so much anger and hatred out there in the world that having a theme involving love and accepting uh, yourself and other people despite uh, some flaws or shortcomings i think is the right message to have and this is really one of the main reasons why i think this film deserves a godzilla's revenge treatment because of these themes uh, not only are they relevant uh, it's kind of timeless themes really but at the same time though too i think the characters are incredibly well written uh they by and large have decent arcs not all of them have arcs that are um 100 uh settled neatly but they're pretty darn close um and I'm invested in their journey. I'm invested in the story. Project Telepathy, I think, is a unique way of trying to handle Godzilla because uh, instead of trying to kill him, which obviously costs billions of dollars, excuse me, but also uh, ends up costing lives, you know, because you got to have people demand uh, military uh, uh, equipment. But then, too, a lot of times it's proved that it just doesn't work. Um, trying to do something where you can potentially contain Godzilla is really a unique way as well. Uh, again, something that off the top of my head, just quickly running through all the films that came before it and even after this film, there's been nothing quite like this in terms of its themes, even its story in terms of how to handle Godzilla uh, as well. And I think this is incredibly unique and, um, and, and I think too, again, with the Kaiju fights, you get, three good battles here they get longer uh as the movie goes on that final battle in and of itself is 20 25 minutes something like that it's definitely a satisfying battle because you have this badass villain in space godzilla i mean this is one of the few 
good badasses in the Godzilla franchise that you can definitely tell this guy, he doesn't care. He doesn't give a damn about anything other than himself and sort of his mission, whatever that is. And on top of that, too, he's incredibly powerful. Uh, He's proven that time and time again. And you get this knockout, drag out brawl. Yeah, there's a lot of beams going on, but that's going to be part of uh, the the battle, especially when you're fighting a villain like this who builds Crystal Fortress that keeps himself protected uh, from enemies. And at the same time, too, has to develop long-range attacks himself so he can attack anybody that's on the other side of his crystal fortress. Um, and plus, too, he's using Fukuoka Tower as kind of the, his power hub. He's got to protect that, too. So, I mean, wow. I mean, I covered a lot of stuff there. But this is decently... Uh, not decently it is well done i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff here godzilla fans should like and and i don't understand why this movie is not appreciated and liked more by most fans that i can see why maybe you're not invested in some of the characters but even then i have a hard time with that simply because these characters i think are are some of the better developed human characters, not just in the Heisei, but in the entire saga. I'm not saying they're the perfect developed characters because they aren't, but they're, they're relatively close. Um, and there's quite a few kaiju battles. The ending battle is one of the longest in the entire franchise, and it's well done. you got a great badass villain in Space Godzilla. Yeah, I mean... Your thoughts. <laughs> I know I covered a lot well, of stuff there, but well, as as I mentioned, uh, the characters are pretty good. However, with some of the dialogue, I don't know if it depends on the subbing or or dubbing version, or if it's uh, the actual dialogue for some of these characters. Because, like I mentioned earlier. Because it felt like while I was watching it, there were some shots or some of the dialogue in here that seemed to make things a bit awkward at times. I mean, you you should at least watch it. It was mainly around uh, the Birth Island sequence, which um, if you take a focus on that whole sequence more, I think you probably would know what I'm talking about. You uh, are wrong, sir. No, go ahead. <laughs> well, for, for me, it just, some of the dialogue, I think, as I mentioned, if it depends on the English dub or the Japanese version, uh, it some of the dialogue just made things a little bit awkward after when someone uh, says something and then, Hardly anyone speaks after that, and they just sort sort of stand stand around, and, uh, look at one another for maybe about a few seconds or something of the sort. And then uh, there's uh, certain shots with characters that seem like uh, it didn't progress them quite much. Like for instance, uh, when Yuki, um, I think it was after the whole. Uh, uh, Space Godzilla and Godzilla uh, battle there, round one on Birth Island. And you see Yuki uh, just 
kind of squatting down around this one uh, dirt hole, just putting uh, like rib, like bone ribs in there and then just like uh, piling dirt on top of it. And it's like, does this really progress the character of Yuki? What what the heck was he actually doing with these uh, bones scene? Yeah, it was it was when they were talking. talking about uh, Project T failing, you see a couple of these shots where he was just putting like bone ribs in this uh, like hole next to a tree. And then he just covers all these with dirt and then puts a rock on top of it and everything. I guess. I I mean, it's, it's, it's actually in there and it's like, does this really progress the character of Yuki and what the hell was he even doing? I think it, yeah, and again, I I don't remember seeing that, but if if that is what he did, you have to understand. And this is, I think, this scene that you're discussing will, I think, it continues to further illustrate how just whacked out this guy is. I mean, this is a guy who's been on the island for a while. Not to mention, he is very obsessed with killing Godzilla as well. When you got those two things going, you're not going to be right in the head. So, um, and I, I think, and then I don't know, maybe part of it could be his natural. Per- I don't know, but, but, um, but still, I mean, if, if there was a purpose, they should have at least mentioned of it. But then other than that, what, what was really the purpose of having these two shots or a few of them of him, like burying these uh, bone ribs in a like a dirt hole and then covering again, it up with a rock. Again, I think it just further illustrates just how whacked out this guy is. It, it's just a quick moment to continue to say this guy is a little out there. And I would have to see the scene, but but imagining it the way you're describing it to me right now if just going off of that to me it sounds like the 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 writers are continuing to say that this guy is just a little out there that he's not all there and i think that's the purpose of showing that well it still you know confuses me a little bit as why I have to watch it. There. I I don't remember in all the twenty years. Uh, I don't. Yeah, remember. it's it's in there right when uh, the two scientists there are uh, saying that Project T has failed and blah 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 uh, and so on and so forth. But um, as as far as that goes, as far um, with space gods, yes, he's probably one of the more uh, prominent uh, kaiju in the franchise. I would agree with you on that front because for a long time he was, I would say he was probably one of my top uh, Godzilla uh, villains for many years. And he was your a, top Godzilla villain there for a while. Definitely. I remember your obsession with space Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, because I had a figure of Godzilla, one of the big uh, ones from uh, Trim Masters many years ago. I, I forget, it's probably uh, probably a foot tall and uh, quite long too. And it's one of those motion motion 
censor uh, figures from Trim Masters. Um, yeah, and I'm not sure if he's uh, still one of my favorites um, today, but I know he's he's still high up there uh, on my list of being one of my favorite uh, villains there, but um, uh, I probably would have to think long and hard as far as some of my top 10 uh, Godzilla villains if we do decide to do something like that uh, down the road. But uh, yeah, he's, I would say he's still one of my uh, favorite Godzilla villains. He's definitely one of the more powerful. Um, I've always liked Space Godzilla. I don't know if I've ever fallen in love with him the way that you and some other fans have. Um, But after watching the movie this time, I'm like, you know, um, kind of like what Godzilla Productions TV was saying here just a minute ago in the YouTube chat that there's a personality there to Space Godzilla, and I think that's very true. Uh, Space Godzilla in this movie clearly showed that there's battle tactics that he's that he's waging, and and that means that he's thinking things through. That this is a creature that not only is just all powerful, but he's doing what he can that is tactically. Um, 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 beneficial to him. And I think um, I've, and again, when I try to watch these movies for discussion uh, for a podcast, I try to look at them more carefully than I typically would if I was just watching them on any regular day. Cause typically like most people, when I watch movies, I kind of turn off my brain most of the time and just watch a movie. I don't think too much about it. Um, and once in a while, if something blatantly comes out, like some sort of plot or whatever, yeah, I'll catch it. But for these podcasts, I try to look at the movies more closely so that way I can give a better analysis and, and be able to provide better discussion points um, for for these uh, podcasts. And just something for people to think about and talk about, but anybody who may be new uh, to this franchise or this genre uh, can have a better idea of what they're getting into. But uh, I've really definitely fallen in love a little bit more with Space Guys. I remember as a kid when I was growing up, one of my fascinations uh, when it came to fiction was a person facing a version of himself, you know, a doppelganger. And that was one of the reasons why for a number of years, Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla was a, a big thing for me because it's like Godzilla facing himself almost – kind of and then here you actually get sort of the real flesh and blood like godzilla versus godzilla although it's a space version with some biolani dna mixed in um you know uh by the way we have yet to talk about space godzilla's origins but um yeah i've i've really come to enjoy uh space godzilla as a character more he's definitely just even after when i watched the film yesterday in preparation for this podcast uh he's really already climbed up quite a bit on my list of Mm -hmm. of favorite kaiju villains right yeah and um i don't know if you wanted to just uh go in more with uh the, the origins of space godzilla as they uh, theorize in the movie, but um, with Morgira, I remember 
when we were we've been watching this for many years i know uh both you and i kind of had a little bit of an inside joke uh when it comes to kenji sahara where i think he is more obsessed with uh morgura uh <laughs> in this film compared to because i think he was in uh godzilla vs. mechagodzilla 2 if i believe and um like he wasn't more obsessed with mechagodzilla than he was with uh with morgira in this one but as far as morgira goes in this one i think the design of this one was uh is pretty badass in a way although um it's to me, I'm a little bit disappointed in how fragile Morgura is uh, compared to how uh, Mechagodzilla was with all the technology and the armor or anything of the sort that they had with uh, Mechagodzilla. You would think they would have improved more on that technology and the capabilities when they built uh, Morgura for uh, in this film, but it just seemed like they just sort of didn't do all that or just went in a cheaper way or, or didn't do much uh, for Morgira and how it, um, um, I would say, uh, how it's executed in a way. It just seemed it was more fragile this time around. It seems like that, but you have to remember how powerful Space Godzilla is. And by the way, before we continue on with Morgura, this Morgura has a slightly different spelling than the Morgura from Mysterians. And also the name Morgura for this movie is an acronym. And it stands for Mobile Operations G-Force Universal Expert Robot Aerotype. So we have to remember that, that there is a distinction. It is sort of, yes, a, still a callback to, um, you know, the Mysterians Mogura, but um, we just have to understand, though, too, there are differences. But, yeah, I mean, you have to understand, I mean, uh, not understand, remember that <coughs> <coughs> choking on my own saliva. <laughs> You have to uh, you have to remember that Space Godzilla is incredibly powerful, and Morgura actually is incredibly powerful as well. Morgura arguably is kind of the hero technically of this film, because without Morgura destroying those shoulder crystals, it's debatable whether or not Godzilla would have ended up defeating Space Godzilla. Uh, we'll never know because it wasn't played out like that. But Morgura was arguably probably the hero. And then on top of that, too, it's a vehicle that uh, – a mech that splits off into two separate vehicles, the Lamb Morgura and the Star Falcon. And those two vehicles served a large purpose in this film as well. Morgura not only shot off uh, the, spa- the shoulder crystals of Space Godzilla, but it also helped shoot at and distract Space Godzilla while the, the Star Falcon did, while the Lamb Morgura went underground – and took out the uh, beams of Fukuoka Tower, which eventually led to its collapse, which in return prevented Space Godzilla from absorbing more power and helped to gradually weaken it and therefore ultimately end up, uh, 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 you know, 
coming to its eventual demise. Uh, but I love the design of this Morgura. Uh, I love it an awful lot. Um, for years, I, I always thought it was one of the best looking mechs, and uh, I, I love this this mech. It's one of the most impressive. It's it's a mech that uh, I wish got a little bit more love in the Godzilla community. It's Mecha Godzilla, of course, gets a lot of love because not only is he a big badass, but he's appeared in more films as well. Um, but right. I, it'd be great if Morgura got a little bit more love because I, I think this particular version, anyways, I, I just think it's it's awesome. I love. Yeah, and I just about everything. And I remember. I remember having one of the figures of Morgara. Uh, I think it was the one where you push the button and it did like its own howl yeah. and everything. But I can remember the sound of that one. Like, it was a weird one. Yeah, it, was, it yeah. sounded like a, like a car alarm in a way. But uh, it was, uh, I really liked the design of Morgara uh, in this one. And uh, I'm not sure. I think I probably still have a figure of that one, by the way probably store in a box um but uh yeah the design of it is really awesome i like how they had uh margara split into two uh star uh i think uh star falcon and then pr- i forget that the specific name for the ground one probably like uh, something mole maybe um but uh yeah um yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, it Morgura did help out more in, in quite a few of those key important moments of uh, the battle there between Godzilla and Space Godzilla. But um, still, I would have you would think that um, it probably would have been also a bit better at uh, close range combat, possibly there but or maybe be a little bit more on equal ground there uh with space godzilla but it to me at times they made space godzilla a little bit too um op'd in some instances when it comes to uh battling there uh, against morgura mainly in that uh, close range combat there it just seemed like uh morgura was more powerful when it comes to maybe long ranged attacks or when it's split into two in in insta- in some instances but uh yeah i think it should have been a little bit more on equal ground there when it came to uh both space Godzilla and morgara being uh, i don't in close combat i don't because I mean, is there such a thing as being overpowered? Yes, but I think part of it depends in certain moments when I think someone, whether it's a hero or a villain, is overpowered. I think part of that is also um, an absence of good uh, context and development within the story itself. In this particular film, I think it works out pretty darn well because you have – You want your villains to be powerful because if you have a weak villain, that doesn't make for an interesting film. You as an audience member are not going to be invested uh, in in the plight because you understand that 
the fight that the hero will eventually or heroes will eventually have with the villain or villains that are weak at the end is just not going to be that appealing. So you want a good villain. And the analogy I always use and this is because this is the first live action movie I ever remember seeing is from Rocky Four, Rocky versus Drago. And you want something like that where the villain is pretty darn powerful and you know it just takes a little extra from your hero to to save the day. It takes two kaiju and Godzilla and Morgura to defeat Space Godzilla. And I think that's illustrated perfectly well throughout this battle. You get Morgura drilling a hole in Space Godzilla's neck at one point. Then you get Godzilla biting Space Godzilla and doing some hand-to-hand combat while Morgura uh, is using you know, either the Star Falcon to shoot lasers or is off on the other side of, of, of the battlefield shooting lasers and missiles. Um at uh, Space Godzilla, I think it's handled very well, uh, showing that, yes, you got this super villain kaiju that is able to hold its own rather well, but it's it's showing in scenes multiple times where if it's battling like Godzilla hand-to-hand or close-up or whatever, if it's focused on one of the kaiju... The other kaiju off on the other side is able to bombard it with its own projectile. So Space Godzilla is not immune. It's just that there's multiple enemies and it's having a hard time trying to do that. So I don't think Space Godzilla is overpowered. Is he very powerful? Oh, absolutely. One on In a one-on-one fight, yeah, I mean, he probably would take you down. But if there's multiple Kaishu, he's going to have a hard time protecting himself and being able to fire back. And that's illustrated very well in this, I think, well-choreographed final battle. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And since you talked about Space Gods a little bit already, I just want to say as far as the kaiju itself, in terms of its design, its powers and all that, I love this creature. Uh, again, I just I, – I really like the design. I think the shoulder crystals are – some of the greatest features of this kaiju and as far as its origins you know the movie plays around well you know was it some bionic uh, i mean excuse me some godzilla cells that came off of mothra when it flew out in outer space or was it bionic cells that went in through a black hole and came out a white hole and i'm like wait a minute, i don't think white holes are a real thing once everything goes into a black hole that's it but well i know that the they time. have they have theorize about white holes as i've been watching some youtube videos um on it but um yeah and then uh when they talk about when the cells go out through the uh, the white hole there that for some i th- I, th- I think for some reason that they mentioned about how the like there's uh chris crystallines or something that fuse uh, yeah with with asteroids and stuff like that yeah and then and then as well some of the energies that come from uh exploding exploded stars and everything and that's how it formed at a uh at a much faster rate than that's of what they've mentioned about yeah well and the two theories and i'm gonna say this and you tell me what you think um you know, they had the two theories. Either Godzilla cells came off of Mothra or it was Bailani cells that came through a black hole out a white hole. I think 
using Toho Science and what they're giving us in this film. I'm thinking Space Godzilla was developed with Biolani cells going into the black hole, coming out of white hole. And the reason why I say that is because you have the two mandible cl- uh, claws on mm-hmm. either side yeah. of yeah. Space Godzilla's mouth. Biolani had similar stuff like that. So yeah, because that's the reason why I'm had, thinking they're Biolani cells. Yeah, because I also had the like the. Co- uh, the quad type of uh, fangs coming out from the side there. Right. Of its, uh, jowls there. If you've noticed it when watching uh, Godzilla versus Biolani, because you would think uh, if, if it came off of Mothra there, the G cells, uh, like how far did Mothra go into space um, after uh, two movies Ago, speaking of which, I got the uh, the Godzilla vs. Mothra T-shirt uh, on here, but uh, yeah, um, I would say that uh, then how then how would uh, uh, Space Godzilla get those like the quad little fangs off on his jaws there to begin with? I mean, yeah, yeah. So it's it's a more uh, reasonable uh, conclusion or. Uh, confirmation that uh, Space Godzilla is another form of Biolani, but you would think it's a much more perfected form of uh, Biolani, but uh, using more uh, cosmic uh, rays and or energy from outer space and then uh, traveling back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing we have yet to talk about um, is the score by Takeyuki Hattori. Um, I, I've always, and I've said this uh, when we were talking about the anime trilogy, I talked about this when we were talking about G2K uh, a number of years back now. Uh, and I think when I even discussed the G2K uh, soundtrack, like five, six years ago. Um, I think Takeyuki Hattori's score for Space Godzilla is a little underwhelming. And I, in my opinion, he got better. I think his G2K score is significantly better than Space Godzilla. And I think his anime score is maybe even better than what he did for G2K. But again, after watching this movie yesterday in preparation for this podcast, I've come to respect his score more for Space Godzilla. Do I think it's better than G2K? No. But do I think it's better than what I thought before? Yes. Um, If I were ranking the Godzilla movies by the quality of their score, I would have put this originally near the bottom. I would have said it's one of the weaker entries. Now I would put it at least in the middle, maybe, maybe somewhere in the upper half. Um, I think it is a stronger score uh, than I've given it credit for over the years. Um, There are definitely uh, some unique and memorable tracks uh, on here as well. I think the general theme of the movie uh, is very good and very memorable. Um, so, and I think even uh, the G Force slash Morgira March I think is very memorable uh, as well. So, uh, I think his score uh, here uh, is actually pretty good. 
again, I still don't think it's his best work. I think that is yet to come. Uh, but what he does do here, still pretty good. Not the greatest, uh, not the best he's ever done, but I think it's pretty good. Yeah, as far as uh, 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 what was it? Uh, uh, his uh, soundtrack for me, I think uh, it's it's pretty good, pretty decent. I would also uh, put in the middle of of the Heisei series, if if that's how we're going to be ranking the scores uh, here. It's pretty decent. Uh, As far as the more memorable uh, soundtracks, for me, I would say the track that was that's titled uh, Crystal. I think that's one of the more memorable ones out of this film. And then I think uh, the love theme that they, that he did, uh, for Godzilla for Space Godzilla, I think, I think is one of the other memorable ones that I can remember out of this one. Uh, the rest, I'm not quite familiar with some of them. I, I don't think I've actually have listened to the entirety of the soundtrack of uh, Godzilla versus uh, Space Godzilla, but yeah, I, I would say at least there are uh, two, if not a uh, one or two more memorable soundtracks for this film. There's another track I forgot to mention. I don't know exactly what it's called, but I call it Yuki's theme, where it's right after the coagulate shot has failed, and it goes. I like it because I find it sort of comedic just because it's Yuki, and Yuki's a whacked out character who's mostly lost his marbles uh but i do like that just because it's i find it sort of comedic in the context of of what happens in the movie and and who it's more focused at uh as well but yeah for uh for me uh takayuki hattori's score um i would say it's pretty decent uh for this film uh i would have thought he probably could have done a little bit more, maybe some more um, energetic or maybe a little bit more dark uh, type of tones uh, for uh, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla uh, score. But um, with what we got out of the final product, I think it's pretty decent. And uh, I would say it fits along with what they were trying to go with. Uh, for the atmosphere of uh, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, yeah, here, but it's pretty decent. Um, so, but yeah, I would like you. I would agree. Um, I would say put it in more in the middle of the Heisei series as far as his best scores. No, oh, I'm putting it in um, the middle of the entire saga. Oh, saga. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I would agree with that then as well. Um, as far as his it, comparing it to his uh, later uh, scores in the Godzilla franchise, um, yeah, it doesn't compare much, especially with the uh, the anime score that he has uh, done for that one. I think by far the anime ones 
is the best ones that he has uh, done so far. And it, and then as far as G2K, you can see uh, a bit more improvement on that one, especially um, making the the theme for Godzilla 2000 there, which is another, I would say, another memorable one out of that track there. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I just and a lot of people love Akiri Fukube and I do too. But I'm one of those people that is also a great supporter and kind of the underdogs or those that are underserved uh, within this genre or franchise. Uh, and I've said it before when we were talking about the anime, you know, trilogy, and when we wrapped that up, what was it earlier in the year with that third film, that Hattori, along with some other maestros like Masaru Sato, uh, I think are significantly better than what the fan base has given them credit for. Uh, and Michiro Ushima has gotten a lot of love, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that she, like two years ago, came to G-Fest. Right, uh, yeah. I think, I think that there's something to do with her visiting here that I think has made people sort of appreciate her, which is well, fine. It just is sad well, that it she, has to take she, a visit to she, do that. She also but, actually returned this year when they did the uh, yeah. recent uh, was it concert there with that same guy has been doing it for the last couple of years, raising money on Kickstarter and, and then doing these uh, live music concerts. Yeah. And what I'm about to say is maybe going to be controversial to some people, but this is what I really think. First of all, okay, we did get the Godzilla theme at least once in this movie and it was pretty nice. It was, and it worked perfectly in the exact moment uh, that it was, uh, placed in but you know being a godzilla fan now for almost 27 years and having watched these movies many times over uh and you know comparing um uh you know comparing um you know maestros and their work and all that you know and granted, we'll never know because certain maestros, like, for example, Akira Fukube never scored Godzilla versus Sea Monster, so we'll never know what his potential uh, score would have sounded like for that movie if he were to have scored it. But, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think the stars align just perfectly for certain maestros to score certain films. Akira Fukube was perfect for the films that he scored. Masaru Sato, perfect for the films he scored. Takeyuki Hattori, perfect for the films he scored. Richiro Manabe, perfect for the films he scored. And the list goes on for like another two or three composers at least. Um, I, I thought last, yesterday, when, after I heard the Godzilla theme by Ifukube, I thought to myself, you know... What potentially would this movie have sounded like with an Ifukube score instead of an Hattori score? Um, and I started thinking about what it would sound like, and I thought, okay, what would it sound like? And I thought, okay, it might sound like 
a little bit of uh, of like a Godzilla versus King Ghidorah with a slight mixture of Godzilla versus Mega Godzilla two in it. Maybe that's just my guess. Uh, you know, comparing his recent work at the time and thinking about how he would approach this project, and I'm thinking it's got to be somewhere within that general range. If he were to have scored, and I'm like, yeah, that music would have been great. I mean, it's listenable. And I like it. It works very well. But then I started thinking, I go, you know, I don't know if it would have worked all that well for this particular film, though. Um, I just, again, I think Hattori's score was the score that was needed for this kind of film. And... Um, it's just like the saying goes, things have a way of figuring themselves out. And uh, I, I think, again, um, like I said, I have a greater appreciation for Hattori's score for this movie after watching it yesterday and paying closer attention to uh, the scores I was watching the film. Um, I still don't think it's his best work within the genre, uh, but I think it's definitely better than what I've given it credit for over the years. And, and um, um, yeah, I just, I, I think it's, I think it's a, it's a good score. It's not, mm -hmm. it's not great. I want to give it a listen to. I came this close uh, today uh, to pulling the CD out and actually listening to it just on by itself and just kind of just figuring out. I didn't do it, unfortunately. I might do it tomorrow. We'll see. But right. yeah. I just I, I kind of got an itch to try to listen to it. And because I just was like, you know, it's actually pretty, pretty good. Yeah. I as as I mentioned a few minutes ago, I think it, it fits perfectly with what the movie is trying to portray uh, in a sort of sense. And um, and I think this is I think this is uh, Hattori's first uh, or debut in the Godzilla franchise as far as scoring the uh, the music. Oh yeah. Here. So I think. Uh, I think he was just more more or less trying to establish himself, uh, trying to get used or trying to get himself familiar, familiarized with uh, the whole Godzilla universe, um, how thing like how the atmosphere is around uh, the character himself, and how like so, like how is the music. The music that he wants to compose for this film how is that uh gonna work out how is it gonna get executed in certain areas of the film as well so yeah it's i would say it's uh kind of your uh getting your foot into the door and uh, trying to get yourself familiarized and i think that's when over time uh after guess the first space guys you got him and uh g2k and then now in the uh the trilogy the anime trilogy you can definitely tell the um improve improvement of uh of him being more familiar uh with the entire uh godzilla universe or godzilla franchise and knows uh the character of godzilla himself um and portraying portraying uh his uh music to fit around uh 
the whole character and as well as the stories that are being told with Godzilla um, in there. But uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Uh, as, of right, as of right now, Kent is uh, sort of uh, not uh, non-present right now, but uh, I'm not entirely sure what to uh, really go over at this point in time, because I think uh, we sort of got everything wrapped up. Um, if there's anything that Kent wants to go over uh, here, but uh, with him being not here right now let's just uh kind of go over um some things here uh basically i would say uh hit uh i would say for youtube and some of the other places that you're watching us right now i would say uh hit the uh subscribe button to us and as well as uh liking this video as well uh as far as the subscribe button uh hit the uh subscribe button down below on YouTube and everything, as well as you can follow us everywhere here on these uh, social media platforms. Just search for Daikaiju Network. And then you can also find us over at uh, daikaijunetwork.com uh, there. But uh, as of right now, Kent is here right now. <laughs> I, so I, I, was, I, was trying, I, just, I had to pee big time. I, 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 I tried to fill in some uh, empty space here. So I just try to do a little bit of a shameless uh, plug here for us uh, while you're uh, vacant there. But uh, since now you're here, um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to discuss uh, further on this film or should we start uh, wrapping things up as far as the final thoughts. All right. Uh, why don't you take it away with your uh, final thoughts here? All right. Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla is a movie that's gotten a lot of unnecessary criticisms from the fan base. It's also been weird how Space Godzilla, the kaiju, has become one of Godzilla's most popular foes while the movie is berated. This movie, which has a vast majority of kaiju fans, uh, has a vast majority of what kaiju fans want in their films. Kaiju fights, including a very nice long ending battle and a memorable kaiju villain. The story is easy to follow and brings about themes and elements that are relatively new to the franchise, and they play out well here. The characters may not be the most memorable, but they are developed well enough for the viewers to connect with many of them and to understand their plight. The special effects are done pretty well, and much of that work still holds up well today. The kaiju battles are what I remember most about this movie. They are plentiful, and the ending battle is perhaps one of the longer ending battles to a Godzilla movie. It's completely satisfying as we see Space Godzilla in full power mode and the gradual shifting of the battle going from Space Godzilla to Godzilla Mogura. Space Godzilla is a badass villain and arguably one of the most memorable in the franchise thus far. Takeyuki Hattori's score is one that continues to grow on me with repeated listenings and seems to work rather well in most cases. 
I still believe his latter Godzilla scores are superior. The portrayal of Godzilla being an Earth savior and pissed off that his son got imprisoned is a nice callback to the Showa era. With repeated viewings, I feel a stronger connection to Godzilla in this film, and as a result, find myself more invested in the final battle than previous viewings. In conclusion, Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla is a pretty good film with themes that are new and refreshing. It's a movie that delivers what kaiju movies what kaiju movie fans want from their films. It's an underrated, underappreciated film that deserves more respect from the fandom and is definitely worth your time. And I rate it as a buy, whereas prior to watching it yesterday, I would have said it was a rent. But after watching, I'm saying it's a buy. So for me, as far as the film goes and then watching it over the years and then this year, uh, basically watching it twice where the first one we were going to originally do it uh, back in May or uh, early June, somewhere around there. But then we had to do some rescheduling of some things. But uh, as of watching the film for the second time, um, for me, it's it's still pretty decent. Um as far as the characters, yeah, the characters are pretty good. Uh, there are some uh, flaws as far as the dialogue goes still for me. I think it just all depends on how it was written for if it was uh, written from the original uh, Japanese version or if, uh, the the English dub is a little bit different compared to the, the original version. I know some sometimes it can be that way. Um, it just depends uh, on that. I'll probably would have to watch the uh, the original with the subtitles uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, and then there are some instances with as far as the dialogue goes. It, it seems at times, as far as the character says something, some some of the other characters after that response tend to you know be silent and kind of making things a bit awkward. And then as far as a couple shots here and there, I think it would have been a little bit more necessary to cut them out. But uh, as far as uh, the kaiju go for this, uh, the Space Godzilla design is one of the better ones of the uh, franchise. And I would say one of the top uh, villains of the Godzilla franchise. He's a very formidable uh, foe for Godzilla. Uh, and then as Morgura goes, I really like the uh, design of uh, Morgura. And uh, I would say another good addition uh, to the film. And also making, uh, even though that uh, the Morgura from the Mysterians and this one are probably uh, a little bit more different or there's a differentiation between the two, but I would still would like to say that they made Morgura uh, canon with the Godzilla franchise. Uh, and then the, as far as the battles go, the battles are pretty uh, unique, uh, creative, and I would say action-packed. Uh, there's not much um, 
slowness as far as the story goes. Uh, it progresses uh, quite a bit. There, there's just a few small areas where it slows down just a bit, but then it picks up uh, not long after. Uh, but uh, it, and then the score uh, is pretty uh, good for for what the uh, film portrays uh, visual effects. It's pretty good in some areas, but then uh, and then in some other areas, it didn't quite age uh, over time. But it still fits well with the film. Um, the store is pretty good, uh, and I think that's about it uh, as far as a rating from buy rent or pass um i'm barely gonna say rent on this one but uh you can i would say uh it'd be one of those movies you can see uh once in a once in a short while or once in a while uh of the sort um it's, it's still a good movie uh, I would give it that, but uh, there are some times where uh, a bit of a uh, few things here and there that are um, a bit awkward in a way, mainly in the Birth Island sequence. So are you saying uh, you were close to giving it a pass? No, I was uh, close to doing a buy for it, but okay. I would say more, more or less uh, a rental in a way for it but something that you wouldn't see for maybe like once in a great few years i would say once in a while i started thinking about this movie when i woke up this morning and when i was washing my cat's dishes i started thinking i go you know I've always said that Godzilla vs. My Godzilla 2 and Godzilla vs. Destroya were not only some of the best of the Heisei, but some of the stronger entries in the entire series. I still do think that. But I started thinking to myself, I go, you know, I think I like the human characters in this movie more than I do Mechagodzilla 2. And part of that is because not only do these characters have an arc or attempt to have an arc, I think they're more likable, whereas in Mechagodzilla 2, the characters are just there to move the story along. There's no real significance to the characters, by and large, in those movies. Sure, the main character in that movie, uh, you know, pilots the Garuda and the like, but by and large, there's he doesn't have an arc, he doesn't have a struggle or anything like that for the most part. So I'm like, you know, I think Space Godzilla might actually have better characters than that <laughs> So, again, I just um, I think this is an underrated, underappreciated movie. This movie deserves to have the Godzilla's Revenge treatment where people are saying, look, the themes of love and, and accepting yourself and other people despite your own flaws. And the fact, too, that the writing here is pretty darn good. It's not flawless, but it's pretty darn good. Uh, this is a film that really deserves reconsideration. I think... This this is a film that deserves a lot more credit. Kensho uh, Yamashita, the director of this film, uh, really deserves a lot more props than what he and his crew have gotten over, you know, 
gosh, what was this, 94? So you're talking, what, 25 years now? Mm -hmm. Uh, 25 years at this point? I mean, yeah, speaking of which. Speaking of which, just a couple weeks ago, uh, it was it just turned 25 when it hit theaters. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, happy birthday, Space Godzilla! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, with that, um, I would say that's basically it. Uh, you can, uh, pretty much uh, follow us if you're listening to us on uh the audio version of the podcast uh what is it can <laughs> just another quick reminder we are doing a commentary on uh kong skull island september 7th yeah and then uh as i was uh, saying here uh if you're listening to us on the audio version of the daikaiji network podcast here you can uh basically see us uh you can basically stream us on these uh, following uh, podcast networks uh apple Podcasts, google play iHeart, Spotify, and TuneIn as well. And we're also available on these uh, streaming networks, not just on uh, YouTube this time around. We're also available on uh, Twitch. (laughs) Twitch. (laughs) Uh, We're available on Stretch um, Marks too. (laughs) Yeah. uh, So Twitch, uh, DLive, and as well as uh, Periscope there. And And uh, as I... And as I mentioned earlier, you can uh, hit the uh, subscribe button down below if you're on uh, YouTube and uh, like uh, like our videos on uh, on any of the uh, streaming platforms. And you can also follow us at these uh, uh, following uh, social media uh, platforms as well. DLive, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Periscope, uh, Telegram, uh, Twitch. Twitter and YouTube as well. And you can just search for, and you can search for uh, Daikaiju Network at any of these platforms. And you can also find us over at our website at daikaijunetwork.com. Yeah, we haven't written a whole lot there in quite a while. We need to try to ch- change that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We need so, to get more. I think the, la- the latest article was me talking about the Defo Real 98 Godzilla figure, I think. Yeah, that, that was the last thing, but most, and, and then after that, and then mainly, I would say since. Uh, I wrote an article of us really uh, unveiling our new logo, which you can see there on the split screen there on the lower middle part there. Uh, we did that. I made a post on that back in uh, November of last year. That was the last article I wrote. And, and then, of course, I've been posting the episodes for not only this podcast, but for the commentary uh, as well. And I've mentioned to you that I've been, I still have a draft on my thoughts on the uh, Godzilla anime uh, for a while, but I still haven't gotten around, excuse me, on that. But I know I've been wanting to do some some more articles and then do some more things uh, with the website uh, there. Although I've been doing some stuff for the website here recently, even today before uh, uh, before the uh, podcast show here. Um, 
but yeah, I want to do some more uh, with the website. Can't uh, polish it more, get some uh, things updated there. Um, although I've been doing some updates, like I said, with it. Uh, so yeah, so as far as as far as that goes, just uh, follow us. Uh, as far as the podcast networks, follow us there, uh, and the streaming networks as well, and as well as some of the social media, and find us over at uh, daikajunetwork.com. So with that, I think that pretty much uh, does it. You're listening. So, yeah, thanks for listening, and uh, make sure to catch us on September 7th as we're going to be commentating on con skull island so thanks for listening and uh, we'll catch you guys in the next few weeks